Thanks for listening to the Mornings with Carmen LaBerge podcast, made available thanks to support from listeners just like you. Your daily encouragement that God has the world in the hollow of his hand. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. If we're gonna fly, we fly like eagles. Arms out wide. If we're gonna fear, we fear no evil. We will rise. By your power, we will go. By your spirit, we are bold. If we're gonna stand, we stand as giants. If we're gonna walk, we walk as lions. Good morning. <clears throat> yes, it is Carmen LaBerge, and I sound a little bit froggy. Today, um, I did a lot of talking yesterday in addition to talking with you um, on Mornings with Carmen here on the Faith Radio Network. I also had the opportunity to um, speak at the Christian Leadership Alliance uh, Outcomes Conference in Chicago. And then after that, um, I basically talked to people until almost 8.30 last night. And so this is what happens. This is what happens when you talk for 12 to 14 hours without taking much of a break. So there you go. So good morning to you. If you have not done so already, I'm going to really encourage you today to go to MyFaithRadio.com and sign up to join us in reading through the Bible together during Holy Week. So this coming Sunday is Palm Sunday. Next week is Holy Week. Um, Easter is April the 9th. Uh, And so let's prepare our hearts and minds for the events of, of what we call Holy Week, the last we, the events of the last week of Jesus's life here on earth, leading up to his crucifixion, um, and then ultimately his resurrection. And so spend some time with us reading through the Bible and those specific stories. And you can sign up to do that at MyFaithRadio.com. Hey, why don't you go ahead and download the Faith Radio app as well while you're um, at it so that you can listen anytime, anywhere, and you can share what happens here with others um, everywhere you go. Our Growing Your Faith verse of the day comes from Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. This is one of those passages of Scripture that after we read it, we're going to take the verse in reverse. So here we go. Ephesians 5, 1 and 2. Imitate God in everything you do, because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. So let's take a portion of this verse in reverse. Paul reminds us what God is like, what God's love is like, what God has done to demonstrate his love for us while we were still sinners. Christ died for us. God in his love sent his one and only son to serve as an atoning sacrifice for our sin, for your sin. How does that inform the opening words of this verse, which say, imitate God? What might it look like today to imitate God in everything we do, to love like God loves, to see people as God sees them, to serve others sacrificially? As a child of God, saved by grace, entrusted with the Great Commission and entrusted with the gospel, filled with the Holy Spirit, what would it look like to live a life filled, filled with love, following the example of Christ? Behold, what manner of love is this that we should be called the children of God? And so we are. First John chapter 3 is a good chapter to read in conversation with today's verse. It amplifies the sacrifice of Christ for us and how we are to live as the children of God in a world that knows not the Father. In today's verse, Paul describes what manner of love those who imitate God 
would demonstrate. And the image that he uses is the image of sacrifice. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and what? Offered himself as a sacrifice for us, an aroma pleasing to God. I mean, we should note here that a sacrifice only has a pleasing aroma when it is consumed by the fire. Paul says more about that in both Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, and 2 Corinthians 2, verses 14 to 17. I commend those to you today. Do you stink like Christ? Do you have the aroma of Christ today? Paul says to the Christians in Corinth, we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To one, it is the fragrance from death to death. To the other, a fragrance from life to life. Child of God, imitate God today in everything you do. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. Offer your life as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. Be a pleasing aroma to God, even if the world thinks you stink like Jesus. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBerge. This is Faith Radio. This is my right, a right given by God, to live a free life, to live in freedom. Our friend Ben Johnson is joining us today. Ben is um, an attorney. He's also a pastor. You can read what he's writing at WashingtonStand.com. Ben, good morning. Good morning, Carmen. Let's talk about, um, and we, just so that you know, we have been talking about the shooting in Nashville um, since Tuesday morning. And so um, folks who are regular listeners are read in, but um, maybe we could assume for just a moment that people don't know what happened. Um, and you could, um, you could tell us what happened because you've offered some really wonderful reflection on the need for revival um, in, in response. It was obviously one of the most heartbreaking things that has happened. It's clear why we continue to talk about this, because Christian children were targeted. A 28-year-old woman named Audrey Hale entered the Covenant School, which is run by Covenant Presbyterian Church in Nashville, Monday morning at 10.13 a.m., shot through the door, entered in. She ended up killing three students and three employees, total of six employees there. Uh, It emerged later that... uh, This young woman had been a student there about 10 years earlier. She had left behind a manifesto and a lot of writings about her motivation. Uh, The only hint that has been offered by uh, the police came from uh, Metropolitan uh, Nashville Police Department Chief John Drake, who said that uh, they have a lot of writings, and he believed that it could be she had resentment for the fact that she was forced to go there. Uh, because she identifies as a member of of the opposite sex. She's a female who identifies as male. Uh, That has sort of dominated a lot of the media coverage that um, a lot of the legacy media have tried to focus on her gender identity and so on. Uh, But um, she mentioned just moments before uh, she went on this rampage, she texted uh, a friend of hers she met playing basketball when they were both in middle school and... um, said that something terrible was going to happen. She didn't want to live anymore. She was desperately depressed. 
and uh, she was going to do something that would make the news. And she said she'd left behind enough evidence to explain what happened and it would all come out eventually. Uh, the police have said they're not going to release that manifesto as long as there is, quote unquote, an ongoing investigation. So um, although we got to see the manifestos of many other uh, shooters, uh, many white nationalist shooters and so on over the years, um, the, the El Paso shooter, uh, the man who shot up the church in Charleston, Dylan Roof, uh, they are currently withholding this one. Hopefully we will get to see what's happening. And when we do, I suspect that what we will read will be like the screw tape letters without C.S. Lewis humor. Um, there was a congressman from Tennessee, Tim Burchett, who uh, talked about this, and he said he believed it was a case of demonic possession, which ultimately every action that targets those people who are made in the image of God, especially the most innocent, always has the hand of the devil behind it. And without a move of the spirit to bring us back to Christ, to tell us that life is precious, to tell us that certain ways of living and expressing ourselves are acceptable and certain are unacceptable, and to say that we are bought by a price, we are not our own, that we belong to Christ, and we dedicate ourselves, our entirety, soul and body to him, and entrust in his providence and in his order and plan for our lives, then we are going to continue to see uh, a deepening of this contagion of violence and anger and hatred and division, and it is going to end up bifurcating our society and filling our, our entire American society with violence. We, um, we, we talked um, previously, Ben, about you know, the challenge that we face as Christians to acknowledge the reality of evil, real evil. Um, and you know, the, the reference there to um, that which is demonic and the, the balance that we have to strike in public discourse um, between that acknowledgement, that very real acknowledgement, there is a spiritual war being waged right now for each soul, um, and and a culture that does not think in spiritual categories um, and doesn't understand the difference between talking about the reality of evil and demonizing a person. Amen. And so, um, you know, continuing to have concern for uh, the shooter's family and what they're dealing with um, and acknowledging that um, evil is real and people do real evil when they submit themselves to spiritual forces that are contrary to God, which brings us to how do we submit ourselves to spiritual forces that are good and godly? Um, and that brings us to the call to fan the, fa fan the flame of revival. And that's the most important thing in our lives, obviously, is to follow Christ and to assure that others do so as well. Uh, I'm, I'm going to say something. You were talking about uh, not demonizing a person. I will, I will say something, and we didn't talk about this, so I hope I don't lose half your audience here. But uh, I'm, I'm going to say anytime there's a mass shooting, I tell my parishioners and I tell everyone else that I get the opportunity to the same thing. Pray for the shooter as well. We always pray for the families of those who've been left behind. Uh, we always pray for the victims, but especially if the shooter survives, uh, pray for the shooter because anyone who has given themselves over to this kind of a, a level of evil has given up their senses to a certain degree. They have mm -hmm. 
actively participated in evil and the evil one has taken control to a large degree. Pray that that person will be freed from the blinders that have been put upon them and that Christ will flood their heart with love and joy and acceptance and that they will be able to find forgiveness because all of us are victims. There was a quotation from uh, one of the members of our church uh, many years ago. He said, so many of us are like a dog fixated on a rock. When someone throws a rock, we look at the rock, but we don't look at the person who threw it. When someone attacks us, we attack the person who attacks us, but we don't think of the devil who is the one who really motivated them. Mm. The person who did this is a victim of the devil. They may, they may be a willing victim. They may have given themselves over, but they are a victim. And we should pray that no one goes to hell, even those who have harmed us. That's what it means to be a Christian. Yeah, and that, that, that's a vengeance is mine um, conversation. And vengeance is mine, says the Lord. So let's respond in prayer. Let's respond um, with deep concern. Let's respond by um, helping to harden those soft places um, where we worship and gather and serve, just recognizing that um, evil is real um, and you know, and always prowling around looking for a way in. So we have to guard ourselves, not only our own hearts and minds, but the places and spaces where we gather and um, and gather with, uh, with other Christians um, or where little children gather in schools and playgrounds and, you know, on and on and on. All right, we're going to continue our conversation with Ben Johnson here in just a moment. Um, we're going to turn our attention to, I mean, this is this is a real question. So for those of you who are concerned about me, um, here's the question. Can I, can I get an honorary doctorate? Like, if so, I want one that comes with like an ermine cape and maybe a hat. Um, so can I get an honorary dark doctorate? Greta Thunberg got one. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show featured on the Faith Radio Network. There is a lot going on at Faith Radio, tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share at MyFaithRadio.com. My guess is you spend a fair amount of time on social media. So where do you spend your time? Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube? Well, have you followed or liked Faith Radio on those platforms? I would invite you to do so. I'm there as well. If you want to check out uh, my personal pages, you could connect with me individually. We would love to have you uh, use the resources that we have produced and are creating and posting on social media for you to share with others. We got all kinds of stuff from graphics to, you know, Bible verses. I don't know. There's all kinds of stuff. Go check it out on your social media. Connect with us on Faith Radio social media. And, you know, let's get the word out to others. All right. Back to the show. Again, thanks for listening. Love connecting with you at MyFaithRadio.com. Because I'm just a nobody trying to tell everybody all about somebody who saved my soul. All right, we're talking with Ben Johnson. He is uh, the rights writer. That's where you can find him on Twitter. He's also a senior reporter and editor at the Washington Stand. You can find what he's writing at WashingtonStand.com. Um. Can I can I get an honorary doctorate? Well, if I had the ability to confer one, you'd be top of the list, no doubt. <laughs> uh, all right, tell us what's going on, Ben. Yeah, uh, over in uh, Helsinki in Finland, Greta Thunberg is going to be receiving an honorary doctorate. Uh, and this is on June 9th. Not only is it an honorary doctorate, that's it's actually birthday. going to be an that's honorary my, now doctorate. I'm even, now I even have my feelings hurt even more because that's my birthday. Oh, well... 
you see? So your birthday, somebody else is getting the presents. It's too bad. <laughs> Not only is it is it an honorary doctorate degree, it's an honorary doctorate in theology. That's, that's what's really sort of outstanding here. Uh, I have never in all the uh, time that I've listened to Greta Thunberg, I haven't met, heard her mention God. I haven't heard her mention Jesus. I've not heard her mention the Bible or cosmological uh, ideas or anything of the sort, anything that has to do with uh, the higher ideas of theology. But the University of Helsinki is going to be conferring upon her and, and 29 others across the world different honorary degrees. She's going to get the uh, degree in, in theology. And uh, what's, what's interesting here, uh, if you listen to the uh, press release, and particularly a theology professor at that university, uh, whose name I believe is pronounced Marty Niesenen, he said, Thunberg was chosen as the voice of the young generation's concern for the future of the earth, and as a world-renowned influencer in spite of her young age. Such a concern has everything to do with academic theology, which is no less interested in earth than it is in heaven. So uh, that, to me, is sort of a red flag in, uh, in Finland, because obviously this is a, a, an area where they've had an established church in the past. They have two national churches, the Evangelical Lutheran Church and uh, the Orthodox Church are the two national churches there. And yet uh, the, the degree of atheism in society has increased to about one third of uh, the society being professed atheists. And here you have someone saying, our theology is as interested in this world as it is in the next. There was an old saying when uh, our parents were around that some people were so earthly minded, they were no heavenly good. And so I'm concerned about exactly the press of his theology, that uh, even though we work, obviously, on this world uh, as our temporary sojourn, we are pilgrims passing through it. This world is not our home. And so we are far more concerned with what is truly important, which is entering into the kingdom of heaven not currying favor with uh, those who are here on earth. I was trying to think of exactly what Thunberg might have had in common. The only thing I can think of is Greta Thunberg and, and some theologians have both made failed predictions about the end of the world. Hmm. Okay, can we pivot from uh, Finland to China for a moment? Um, there's a lot going on in the news related to China, but let's focus in today on China, um, the shrinking population uh, the need for women to agree to get married, um, and the practice of or tradition of betrothal gifts. Yes, uh, this is a custom in China that in, in many societies around the country, uh, around the world, I should say, where someone uh, is going to get married, either the bride's family will give a gift to uh, the man or the man's family will give a, a gift to the bride's family. In this case, uh, it's the male's family giving a gift to the bride. And in certain societies, as far back as they go, it's almost seen as a form of purchase. Uh, needless to say, a lot of women in Chinese society have, have always resented this practice. And so there's a movement asking people to reject this, uh, this practice, reject the gift, uh, which can be 20000 up to $50,000 in some provinces in China because women are in such short supply. Uh, women have been the particular victims of, of sex-selective abortion, especially in China. There's a massive imbalance between the number of males and females in that society and in much of, of uh, that part of the world, but especially in China. And where you had the 40-year uh, practice of the one-child policy and forced abortion, uh, it was literally an arm of the government that if they found out someone was pregnant, the police would track them down, uh, and at times they would abduct women, force them into abortion, and women are 
less valued quite candidly because they are seen to be not as economically viable. If you can only have one child, you want one who's going to support you. And uh, if you're in a rural area, especially as much of the country is, that person is going to be the, the boy who can do the heavier lifting on the farm. So as a result, uh, bride prices are going up. There are 20 to 30 million Chinese citizens who will never be married. Uh, there are a massive number, unfortunately, uh, about 82% of Chinese men under the age of 30 have never been married. And, and again, uh, about 30 million never will be because they won't be able to find a bride. As a result, there is a massive sexual trafficking industry in China that women are abducted and trafficked throughout the area, but uh, especially in rural areas where not only do you have this imbalance, but then uh, women, if they can, marry men from the city because then they can have a better way of life. It's more prosperous in the city and they have access to better schools and education for their children. So what you're seeing is the chickens of uh, this one child policy, this demonic policy that was foisted on the people for 40 years coming home to roost in the lowest economic growth since 1969 in higher rates of, of uh, trafficking of women. And finally, some of these women are beginning to stand up and say, we deserve dignity. You cannot purchase us. Uh, and for those of us who are Christians, uh, I, I hadn't intended to quote the verse earlier, but apparently it was top of mind reading this, that we have been bought by a price. We are not our own. We do not belong to anyone. And these women don't belong to their husbands. They belong to the husband of the church, Jesus Christ, Thankfully, the gospel is spreading throughout China, and we pray, as it did in the very early pagan uh, empire in Rome, that when the gospel spreads here, it will elevate the status of women and allow that, them to enjoy their full God-given dignity. Yeah, let's be praying for um, Christians in China um, and the witness of Christ. The you know There are going to be all these men who are never going to you know, marry in the traditional sense of the word. And so may they come to know the one um, who longs to count them as a part of the bride of Christ, his church, Jesus Christ. So there, there are ways to glorify him in the midst of this, but um, the cultural challenges are, um, are many and real. So thank you, Ben, for helping us, um, helping us see those today. We appreciate you being here. Thank you. It's always great to be here. And your voice sounds great. So, so don't uh, say anything. I wouldn't have noticed. Ah, uh, feel a little froggy, but thank you so much. All right, let's take a moment to go upwards with Max Lucado. So sometimes it's important for us to just remind ourselves of God's good intent, God's good design. And so going all the way back to the beginning, and then because God is so gracious and has told us um, what, is, what is to happen in the future, um, God knows the end from the beginning and the beginning from the end and everything in between. He's the Alpha and the Omega, the Living One. And so what does God intend in terms of human relationships, human sexuality, partnership in marriage, and the birth and nurture of children? Well, God intends that... Um, it be a reflection, um, a foretaste, a sample of the relationship that Christ has with the church. And so when, when we look at um, the breakdown, not only of marriage, 
but of the connection between marriage and childbearing, and therefore the connection between childbearing and child rearing and the welfare of children, um, we find ourselves a long way, a long way from the way God intended it. And so when we have conversations about children who are in desperate need because their mothers are not being uh, cared for, they're not in a caring relationship, um, where they are being provided for, and they are not in a position because of their vulnerability in a particular culture to care for their own children, then we have these orphaned children, children who believe they are not only fatherless in the world, but fatherless, utterly fatherless. And we know better, right? We know better. Um, And so we want to talk about rethinking orphan care. Uh, Ellie Oswald is going to join us. She's the executive director of Faith in Action. And we're going to talk about vulnerable women who have children around the world and how they might be equipped and empowered um, to to care for their own um, through the care of the body of Christ, the family of faith. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Mama, you taught me to do the right things. So now you have to live. Ellie Oswald is joining us now. She's the executive director of the Faith to Action Initiative. Ellie, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Thanks so much for having me, Carmen. Okay, so there's probably um, at least somebody out there that's thinking right now, um, we don't need one more organizational effort, but what you're doing is genuine collaboration. So can you talk with us about the vision for Faith to Action and some of your partners in this ministry. Yes, exactly. Faith to Action, actually, I kind of joke, doesn't do anything. (laughs) Faith to Action doesn't run any programs or fund any programs. Faith to Action is just a collaboration, a coalition of organizations that are doing incredible work around the world. And we come together with one purpose. Our goal is to promote family-based care as the globally recognized best practice for meeting the needs of orphaned and vulnerable children. So we we provide free educational resources to Christian groups, to churches, to individuals who are trying to respond to the needs of orphaned and vulnerable children around the world. It's a great job. So it sounds like we're trying to keep children from becoming orphans. We're trying to keep them um, in their family of origin. Can you talk about like that as a as a motivation here yes um that's a great way of putting it carmen we know that around the world the families are vulnerable whether it's it's war violence illness you know covid 19 has really not only um, um devastated families with loss but also um economically it's made an impact around the world um of course poverty so families can struggle to care well for their children. And um, it's it's what's really sad is when families start to believe that they can't care for children. Um, we know that in desperate situations, they can end up believing the lie that children are better off in residential facilities like orphanages and children's homes, because at least there, their physical needs, food, shelter, education will be met. 
Um, but that's really an impossible choice, right? To to choose to care for your child and not be able to offer them those things or send them to an orphanage where they'd be able to receive those things. And that's not a choice we ever want um, a mother or a father to have to make because, because we know orphanages cannot replace family and they really can't meet the developmental needs of children around the world. Yeah, I mean, if we think, uh, you know, quote unquote, here at home, that it's best for children to be raised by their own parents, then why wouldn't we believe that for everybody else around the world? This is Women's History Month. Uh, It's a good month to remind ourselves of not only the significant contributions that all women make to their families, uh, to their communities, and ultimately the world, but to focus in on vulnerable women um, who have arrived at a place because of poverty or violence or illness. Uh, they've arrived at a place where they imagine, they've, they're believing the lie that their children would be better off um, you know, with someone else, being raised by someone else. And so this is a conversation about um, leveraging the resources of the body of Christ to help moms raise their own kids. Talk with us, um, Ellie, about maybe some of the efforts out there that you're, um, you're pointing to in terms of best practices. Yeah, well, we know there is a growing network, more than a network, there's a growing movement of Christians and organizations and churches that are working to empower women to help keep their families together. Um, our partners are connecting moms with job opportunities. They're helping by providing tuition vouchers, supporting material needs when necessary, even providing emotional support, parenting classes, things like this. Really, it's about coming around a vulnerable family, coming around a vulnerable mom and partnering with them to overcome their own challenges. Um, I think it's helpful to have a little story. If you have a second, um, an example that just comes to mind that we recently shared was um, uh, this woman, McLean, in Haiti. So McLean actually was a single mom of five children. Her uh, children's father had passed away. Um, So she was really left in a desperate situation where she couldn't provide for all of those children. She loved her children, but it was kind of out of this desperate place that she walked with her youngest daughter, her infant daughter, um, mourning, of course, the loss of her husband. And she walked to the capital of Port-au-Prince in search for an orphanage that could take care of her. Um, Miraculously, she approached what she thought was an orphanage which, you know, there are many in Haiti, but thankfully this organization turned out to be one that could help her whole family. So McLean was pretty quickly connected to a group called Papillon Marketplace. And what they do is help vulnerable children with job opportunities. So that was great for her. She actually decided to bring all her children into the city to live there, start the program, began earning a living as a jewelry maker, but also was getting emotional support um, as she was struggling with the challenges um, that she was facing. And from there was able to support all her children. She actually decided to save up some of her money to purchase land in the city so that she wouldn't have to pay rent because she felt like that was a more sustainable life for her and her her family. So that's just one of many stories of the organizations around the world that are working to strengthen um, families to come around single moms and really help them through the challenges so they can care well for children. We're talking with Ellie Oswald. You can connect with Faith to Action at faithtoaction.org. And when you get there, you're going to be like, hmm, well, what do they do? And as Ellie has said, well, Faith to Action is actually going to lift up and celebrate partner ministries 
um, working around the world in an effort to ensure that children can actually be raised by their own moms in their own families. Um, <clears throat> so 140 million children around the world, listen, listen to these numbers, 140 million children around the world have lost at least one parent. Of those 140 million, there's 15 million children who have lost both parents. And so orphan care, residential orphan care, um, is something that absolutely we recognize there's a need for. Um, there are 15 million kids who need someone to take them in. Most of them can move in with uh, maybe a grandparent or a relative, um, but many of them will will need residential care. And so please don't hear us saying that there's not a place in this conversation for um, for residential care of genuinely orphaned children. What we're talking about is what what would it look like for us to pivot um, for those who have a have a parent, have a living parent. What would it look like for us to equip and empower that living parent, that surviving parent, um, to be able to care for their own children? What would it look like? Um, And what would it look like for us as the body of Christ to become their extended family? We're going to continue our conversation with Ellie Oswald here in just a moment. If you've got a question that you're hoping I'm going to ask her, you can text it to me at 877-933-2484. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. We're going to continue our conversation about faith to action. You can find resources at faithtoaction.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show carried on the Faith Radio Network. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio. Tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. How does that all happen? Well, it happens through listener support. So Faith Radio, Mornings with Carmen, all available because of listener support from listeners, well, just like you. If you're a supporter, thank you so very much. If you'd like to become a supporter today, just visit MyFaithRadio.com. And again, thanks for being a part of what we do every day at Mornings with Carmen. The Faith to Action Initiative um, is trying to elevate best practices for the care of orphaned and vulnerable children. They provide free educational resources, support for churches, um, and support for individuals who want to help. You can find what we're talking about today and really all kinds of good information in terms of background material that's going to help you understand um, the issues at hand and the the better way forward that um, we believe we're called to. Faith to Action dot o-r-g ellie um tell us another story tell us a story of you know like how this might happen a woman who um i mean because it's predominantly single moms that we're talking about i mean there are those cases where um the mother the mother's life um, has been lost particularly in childbearing and so there's a single dad that we're talking about but in the overwhelming number of cases we are talking about um a woman who has in, in many cases many children and when we talk about the children who are in orphanages around the world, the numbers are pretty staggering. 80% of kids in orphanages um, have at least one living parent. Um, and so we know that's you know not the best scenario for them for lots of reasons. So maybe tell us another story um, about like how this works, how, how a mom is empowered to continue being a mom. 
Yeah. I think that statistic, 80% of children in orphanages have one parent is is pretty shocking for most of us. I think the other thing to recognize is, is almost every child in an orphanage has family members who could care for them with proper support. And so on Women's History Month, we can recognize the aunties and the grandmas and the neighbors that really do wrap around these children and support them in the middle of crisis. So think it's important we can recognize all the women around the world, especially in other cultures beyond America. It's really natural for other family members to step in. So the solution for the vast majority of children who are struggling is some sort of family context, whether that is their own biological parents when that's not possible, their relatives um, and foster families. We have seen the church rise up in really beautiful ways around the world to invite people to be foster families, even in cultures where um, that is a very taboo kind of idea. Um, Because people's faith and the calling in scripture that we see um, that recognizes that that God created families to care for children and that God sets the lonely in families, um, uh, we see these families rising up in cultures that that people say it's impossible. So it's very exciting. Um, There's my friend Nabs, who actually is a leader in this work right now. He grew up um, in the middle of the Civil War in Sierra Leone. And in the middle of the Civil War, he was separated from his mother and his grandmother. Um, He made his way to the city with a a neighbor and um, ended up uh, on the streets where an orphanage found him and took him in. Um, But during his time in that orphanage, that entire time his mom was searching for him and trying Mm. to find him. And during those times, there was a lot of chaos and there wasn't good work being done to find his mom. But wonderfully, um, when he was a teenager, he did finally connect not only with his mother, but with his uncle, his grandparents, and and dozens of relatives who were celebrating him coming home. And our hope and our goal is that children like Nabs don't have to wait that long, that if there is family out there that loves them, that wants to care for them, that is struggling, that we can wrap around that family and support them so that they can, as soon as possible, be back in the context of family, of community, the place that we all really find our our safety, our belonging, and our identity. So Ellie, um, I'm, I'm so aware that this is an issue that we think about um, oftentimes with like total duplicity. We, we think differently about children in Ukraine who've been separated from their parents at an international border um, and are in a country that we view as kidnapping them. And yet when we have other conversations about family separation, um, we don't respond in the same way. Um, so there's a there's a heart issue um, yep. at work, um, and there's a there's a conversation about um, poverty that we have to have, and there's a conversation about access to basic resources. Um, there's a reason these women, in most cases, women. Um, feel as if they cannot care for their own children. And, and yet there are people listening right now who are saying, well, they should just get a job, like, get a job. Mm-hmm. These are not women who are in a, there are no jobs, they're not in a position to get a job, even if there were jobs, um, they are raising children. 
what, what's the, like, help us restore the value of a mom getting to be a mom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think one thing for us to recognize is that, and this is a bit of a hard truth for everyone, is that in some ways we have created and contributed to this problem where um, the bulk of resources, especially in rural communities around the world, the bulk of resources are accessible through a narrow pathway. And and orphanages are one of those ways to get help when you're in crisis. So we we understand that poverty is, is the most often the underlying reason why children end up in orphanages is their family is poor. But not every poor family puts their child in an orphanage, right? Um, but it is usually poverty plus a crisis. And we've all experienced those things. Poverty plus the loss of a life or poverty plus the loss of a job or illness or sickness. And, and people just get overwhelmed. And the place where they see the resources coming is through um, is through the orphanage. And so they think that's the way, that's the solution. So we have one solution for many problems that families face. So our goal really is to ensure that there's a continuum of options in the community, especially through the local church, but also, you know, government stipends and things like that. There's a continuum of options for families when they hit this crisis. They don't go so quickly to think, you know, at the orphanage is the place that will will help us. Um, but they can start to believe I can support my children and I can find the help that I need in my community, even when communities are extremely low resource. Um, we can do some things to to empower and support the, them to get through that crisis and to become stable on their own. We're talking with Ellie Oswald. She's the executive director of Faith to Action, the Faith to Action initiative. Um, you can find online at faith2action.org. Um, Ellie, let's uh, let's give give folks one um, action step today. What would you have people do? Yes, well, we have a great opportunity to empower women in poverty and allow mothers to do what they do best, which is care for children. And we can support organizations. Find an organization that is strengthening mothers, grandmothers, aunties, and other women in poverty and consider praying for them. Maybe even consider giving them to them financially because we know that kind of work is really what's best practice and what's having a tangible, lasting impact for vulnerable children around the world. And if you want to learn more about organizations that are doing that work, we try to highlight them on our website, on our social media, faithtoaction.org. We're always celebrating people who are doing great work, and we'd love for more people to come around this family strengthening effort. Ellie, we appreciate you being with us here today. We appreciate your work. Again, you can access um, lots of really great information and connect with organizations involved um, at faith2action.org. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBerge. This is Faith Radio. All right, those of you who are concerned that I was serious about <clears throat> thinking I needed or wanted a an honorary doctorate, um, no, <clears throat> I don't perceive myself to um, have such need. So there you go. Um, but, you know, thank you for your concern. Thank you for all of you who have texted me this morning your great ideas about how to recover my voice. Um, yes, if I had access to that um, citrus honey mint 
T. I would absolutely be using that. But I am broadcasting today from a tiny little room in a hotel in Chicago, um, headed home today. So appreciate your prayers for travel mercies. Also, for those of you who, you know, who pray for us because, you know, you're so good and, and gracious to do that. My sweet husband, Jim, is having oral surgery this morning. And so <laughs> I get to go home um, and then joyfully take care of him. So prayers, uh, prayers are rising in all of that. Hey, I want to um, I wanna share with you something here at the close of this hour. Um, and that is the story of Mike Hill. So Mike Hill um, is a man who um, some called daddy, said seven kids, some called granddaddy, um, 14 grandkids. His friends called him Big Mike. The children at the school where he worked for the past 14 years called him Mr. Mike. On Monday, uh, Mike Hill was shot and killed, serving the God, the church, the school, the colleagues, and the children, all of whom he knew by name. And so I want to celebrate him today. Mike Hill loved to cook. He took great pride in his work and great joy in serving others whenever their need. There's a testimony um, posted online about you know, he, he would just respond if he saw a person, no matter how small, in distress. He was prone to um, look people in the eye and say to them with reassurance, Mr. Mike's got you. Mr. Mike's got you. Um, there's a mom of four whose testimony is posted online um, who Mike Hill helped one day. She, um, she was, you know, trying to get her little people in the car and um, her car then wouldn't start. And she has, she describes it. She was in the midst of a painful and unwanted divorce and very dark season. And, you know, she's trying to take care of a newborn and pick up her three small children from school. And, and she says, you know, my car just went dead and I just, I just lost it. But he came to my rescue. He saw how upset I was and he saw that it wasn't just about the car. And he said, Mr. Mike's got you. She says those four simple words meant everything to me. I can say for sure that they're, there were tears on my part. Everything back then felt uh, heavy and overwhelming. But Mr. Mike stepped into my heaviness and shouldered the load. Um, and so that testimony goes on if you want to read it online. Um, but she, at the end of this, encourages other people to be like Mike. Now, you remember that, like, right? So this one now says, be like Mr. Mike. And she says, um, let's make the name of Mike Hill synonymous with acts of kindness. Step into someone's bad day, she says. Ask if you can pray for them. And when they ask you why, say, because Mr. Mike's got you. So today, I just want you to lean in somewhere into somebody's darkness and distress and let them know that they are seen and that they are loved and that... Um, there, there are people to come alongside and help them shoulder the load. You might need that today. Um, if so, be brave and reach out to somebody and say, I, I need some help. I can't do this by myself. Like we are a body of believers. We are a family of faith. Um, and so let's be there for each other. Let's, uh, let's be like Mr. Mike today. And remember, God knows your name. He has uh, laid claim to you. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. That's Thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen LaBurge. Podcasts like this are available because of your support. If it's important to you to hear things that encourage your faith, click the link in the show notes to give now. And thanks.